please join me in the litany of invitation and confession. Then I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, thus says the Lord. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old shall dream dreams, and your young shall see visions. Send down the Spirit, breathe life in your people. And we shall be people of God. God, forgive us for our impatience. May we wait with expectation and celebrate in joy. We pause for a moment of silent confession. Sisters and brothers, the Spirit lives among us. Let us bask in God's grace, for God has forgiven us. Let us lift our voices in praise to God. Welcome to the Worship of God on this beautiful Pentecost morning. I'm Daniel Hedrick. I'm the Associate Pastor, and I'm so glad to be worshiping with you this morning. If you are a guest with us, first of all, welcome. Uh, We ask you uh, to leave behind some information about yourself that's on the edge of the order of worship. You can just tear that off and place that in the offering plate during the offertory portion of the service. We'd like to get to know you better. And also, if you have a prayer concern, all are invited to write that down on the opposite side of that insert, and you can place that in the offering plate as well. And our staff uh, prays for all those who bring prayer concerns on our staff meeting on Tuesday, so we invite you to do that. James and Liz, James the senior pastor, his wife Liz, are in Chapel Hill, North Carolina this weekend. James was officiating at one of his cousin's uh, marriage ceremonies, so we pray for safe journey return for them as well. This is Pentecost. If you haven't noticed, with the children coming in with the streamers and the liturgical color of red and the gift of the Holy Spirit may be upon us all. All of the texts that you'll hear in music uh, sung and read today speak of the gift of the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Holy Spirit that comes at Acts and Pentecost the music that speaks of the love and power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, the sermon will be about Acts chapter 2 and specifically about Peter. The children's sermon will be about Pentecost. You'll see a couple of different things today. We, we've asked the Almeida family to join us during the scripture reading for Acts. They'll come to the center nave and they'll be reading Uh, alternating verses in Spanish and English of the Acts chapter 2 passage this morning. And then one more thing that's a little different for Pentecost. We ask uh, during the last hymn that we'll sing, which is Blessed Assurance on the back of the order of worship, parents with children, 
We're inviting all the children to come up to the balcony. So if during that hymn, you can just walk uh, up the back stairs and meet Andrea, who will direct you to where to go. And they'll be tossing streamers from the balcony that represent the Holy Spirit. And you can just watch your heads. Don't worry, they're, they're not lethal. They, are, they represent the gift and movement and power of the Holy Spirit. So we hope that our children uh, will join us at that time. Let's continue our worship. God promises the Spirit for the people of God. A reading from the book of Ezekiel. Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath, prophesy, mortal, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, so that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, a vast multitude. Then he said to me, Mortal, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say, Our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are cut off completely. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you back to the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from your graves, O my people. And then I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live. And I will place you on your own soil. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken and will act, says the Lord. Here ends the first lesson. And now let's say our prayers. On this Pentecost day, come Holy Spirit and fill us with your love. Open our eyes to see the presence of God all around us, in the stillness of this sacred space, in the busyness and noise of our city streets, in the joys and celebrations of our lives, and in the tragedies and struggles that break our hearts. Come, Holy Spirit, on this Pentecost, and comfort those who grieve. Especially we pray for Hal Meeks and Stephanie Jones. Grant to them the peace that only you can give. And stir within us all a trust in life beyond death as we still ponder the mysteries of Easter resurrection and the hope we have in life everlasting. Come, Holy Spirit, on this Pentecost and bring wholeness to the sick, especially to Nancy Davis and J.B. Gilbert. Strengthen all who are weak, heal the wounded and broken, Give rest to the weary and lift up the fallen. Come, Holy Spirit, on this Pentecost and inspire our warring world to seek peace, to love our enemies, to put away our weapons, and to not confuse unity with uniformity or diversity with divisiveness. Help us, help us to see strength in all our differences. Come, Holy Spirit, on this Pentecost and ignite a fire in our bones and fan a flame for justice that cannot be quenched until all of your children are loved, until no one is marginalized or oppressed, and until everyone has the opportunity to thrive. Come, Holy Spirit, on this Pentecost and revive your church, 
Liberate us to dream dreams and see your visions for a world reborn. Help us to recognize our gifts for ministry and to use them willingly and generously in service of others. Fill us with a love that overflows and remind us that there is no greater calling than to love you with all that we are and to love our neighbors as ourselves. Gracious God, on this Pentecost, give us a glimpse of your kingdom emerging all around us. May we be spirited people, powerful as the wind in doing your will, and energetic as fire in extending the love of Christ. We pray all these things in the name of the one who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
Would all the children please come forward at this time? Let me have y'all sit right here, and I've got to grab a few things. Can y'all sit right there? I told you, I have a few things today. Oh, let's see. Cords of little stuff. Sit right here on the wood. All right, and Pastor Daniel's going to hold this. Okay, everybody take three scoots back. One, two, three. Good. Okay, everybody on the wood. Do you see this? Okay, we're going to do something with that in just a minute. What is today? Pentecost Day. Pentecost Day, Pentecost Sunday. And did you hear Sebastian and Amelia and their family just read our scripture reading? They did a wonderful job, didn't they? You know, they were reading about what happened on Pentecost Sunday. Way back many years ago, there was a story that happened, and it was quite a fantastic story. And you remember the past few Sundays, I've been talking about something called the Holy Spirit. And on Pentecost, the Holy Spirit showed up to a group of Christians in a really big way. It was a huge wow moment. Can everybody say wow? Wow. They had never seen anything like this before. And this time they saw the Holy Spirit. And before they saw the Holy Spirit, they heard something bringing the Holy Spirit to them. Because sometimes you hear the Holy Spirit, right, everybody? And sometimes you might see the Holy Spirit. And sometimes you feel the Holy Spirit in your heart. But on Pentecost, they kind of felt the Holy Spirit in a cool way. Are you ready? Okay, this is our wow moment. Here we go. You ready? Okay, everybody, take some, and I want you to throw them straight up above your head. Ready? One, two, three, throw up! 
On Pentecost, do you know what happened? These tongues of fire, pretend these are tongues, that's what it said, flames, they came and they rested on everybody's head. And when they did, they spoke in different languages. It was like, wow, the Holy Spirit came. So, hey, I brought these to y'all so you could, you all, moving with the Holy Spirit could make us a reminder of what a wow day that was. So I have a felt board right here. Can y'all help me make a piece of art? Come and put your flame. You'll see there's a little outline on the board that the maybe the wind has left us. And kind of stick your flame up here like this. Any way is fine. And let's put them all up here. And what will happen? Here you go, Joseph. What will happen when we're done? You will get that one, sweetie, and put up on the board? Is we will have a unique reminder of what Pentecost means to us. If you have a bunch, share with somebody else and let them put up one. Here, Leah, let me have some of yours. Here y'all go. Did you put one up? Yeah. Okay. Sebastian, will you share? Let's get let's get some uh, some to somebody else who doesn't have one. Here you go. That's okay. Here, just go put them up on the board. Here, go 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 go. Here, Jay. Everybody, put some up there. There we go. Look at what the Holy Spirit is moving us to make. This looks beautiful, guys. Okay, and while they're finishing that, will y'all sit back down with me? Let's have a little prayer before we go, okay? And because I feel the Spirit, let's all put our hands on somebody else while we pray today, okay? On the hand, we can hold a hand. You can put your hand on your friend's shoulder. And let's all bow our heads, and we're going to say a prayer. Dear God, thank you for the Holy Spirit moving in our hearts and in our minds in ourselves and in our church and our world. We thank you for that gift and we thank you for this day of Pentecost. Amen. Look at what y'all made. This is beautiful. Okay, we're going to put it over here. Everybody go sit. Oh, you can give that to me, baby. Thank you.
Jesus promises the Holy Spirit, a reading from the Gospel according to John. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and we will be satisfied. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and you still do not know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you I do not speak on my own, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. But if you do not, then believe me because of the works themselves. Very truly I say to you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do. And, in fact, will do greater works than these because I'm going to the Father. I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If in my name you ask me for anything, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him because he abides with you and he will be in you. The Gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Last week we started a new sermon series called Characters with Character, and we're looking at spiritual biographies of individuals whom the lectionary brings out over the next few months to correspond with the church school series that we have at 9.30 in the morning. That is on spiritual biography, so invite those who haven't attended to come to that. This, this Sunday I want to look at the, the theme of Pentecost through the biography of the Apostle Peter. The perseverance of Peter is what I want to focus on. And Peter is the kind of disciple that the church can actually identify with, I think. We look at Peter and we say, yeah, that's me. Denier of Christ, asker of bold and sometimes stupid questions, failure. And oh yeah, don't forget this human being. We can identify with Peter. He is perhaps the most deeply human of disciples. I don't mean the other ones are aliens, but we get the fullest picture of Peter, perhaps second only to Paul in the depth of psychological insight and biographical detail. He, he is so deeply human in his depiction because he isn't some kind of superstar disciple, never failing, always at the top of his game. And so for me, as I looked at the biography of Peter through the different scriptures, the word that comes to mind most is perseverance. Perseverance means persistence in doing something despite difficulty or delay in achieving success. You might say never giving up is a shorthand way of defining perseverance. And if you ever meet a person in Scripture who persists in doing things despite obstacles and failure, it's Peter. His journey as a disciple can be told as one failure after another, and, and yet Peter never gave up. 
The story of Pentecost is often said to be about the birth of the church, but it could also just as easily be about the rebirth of Peter. The scholar Marcus Bachmuel writes of the conversions, plural, of Peter, not the conversion, the conversions. He, he turned back again and again. If we understand conversion as a, a turning back from a way of life that is mired in sin and failure to rely upon God, then Peter had a lot of conversions, didn't he? And because we, too, if we are honest with ourselves and with God, we have had a lot of conversions. Peter is a person in whom we can find our own spiritual biography written. He was born in Bethsaida, a little fishing village near the Sea of Tiberias. He was a fisherman by trade. He was called to discipleship by Jesus, who was walking by the seashore. And Jesus, just walking down the sea, said, Follow me, and I will make you fish for people. And Simon Peter and his brother Andrew, they put down their nets and followed Jesus. Now, of course, Peter had no idea of what he was doing, who he was following, why he was doing it. His journey began with a simple act of obedience. He didn't go to seminary. He probably didn't have much of an education. But he knew one who had authority when he saw Jesus. Peter began his journey of perseverance by this simple act of obedience, by responding yes to the call to follow. Many of you are familiar with the German theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer in his famous book, The Cost of Discipleship. He writes about simple obedience in that book. He says that we human beings, we try to make discipleship so complex. We are always trying to interpret a way God's commands, and to endlessly debate them. That is why we often approach moral dilemmas as if they were just an opportunity to pile up arguments on each side, as if the one with the most words wins. Bonhoeffer gives an example in his book. He says we're always trying to wiggle out of our obedience. He says it's like a child trying to reinterpret the parent's command to go to bed. A father says to his child, go to bed. The child knows what that means, knows exactly what to do, but a child drilled in pseudo-theology, Bonhoeffer says, would have to argue this way. Father says, go to bed. He means you're tired. He doesn't want me to be tired, but I can also overcome my tiredness by going to play. So although father says to go to bed, what he really means is go play. See how we try to wiggle out? of an act of simple obedience, but to obey God, to become fully dependent upon God, all that is required is simple obedience. And and that is what Peter did. That's how his story begins. He responded to the call of Jesus with that act of saying yes. It's hard to persevere if we are not willing to take that first step of obedience. I think the second way that Peter persevered was through risk-taking, through risk-taking. And I think discipleship requires risk-taking. He risked his own standing and reputation again and again. In story after story, Peter is the one among all the disciples who asks the question that's on everybody else's mind, or he says the bold, perhaps stupid thing. Whether good or bad, Peter persevered in risk-taking. I'll give you an example. One time Jesus told a parable, and 
like a lot of the parables, it's kind of hard to understand at first. Most of them are, because they weren't meant to be bumper stickers. And here's the parable Jesus told. He said, Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be pulled up by the roots. Leave them. They are blind guides. If the blind lead the blind, both would fall into a pit. Now he said that, and Peter, alone, among all the people listening to the parable said, explain that to us. Now, you see, nobody else had the imagination and the risk-taking characteristic to ask that simple question. Explain that to us. And it was a risk because Jesus kind of laid into him. He, he said, are you so dull? You know, you've probably been in a setting where somebody said something really hard to understand and you were afraid to look stupid by being the one to ask, excuse me, what are you talking about? It's better, you know, in these social situations to nod your head sagely, right? Pretend you know exactly what's going on. I think that's why at the end of lectures you see all the people crowded around the speaker because they're just whispering, okay, what was that about? Peter took a risk in trying to understand what Jesus was asking him to do. Another time, Jesus was teaching his disciples to actually approach the person that you have a problem with and tell them that they've messed up. And Peter shuffled up to Jesus and said, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? That's a risky question. What if Jesus had said twice? That's all we'd get. Then we'd have a three strikes policy and your your out policy. And I'm I'm glad Jesus said seventy times seven, or as many interpreters understand it to be, it's the number of completion. It's infinite. Well, it turns out that it was a really important question that Peter asked Jesus, because when Jesus was up against the wall, arrested and flogged, hung on a Roman cross, some folks came to Peter and asked him, hey, weren't you that guy hanging out with Jesus the Galilean? And he said, that guy? I never heard of him before. It's a rough translation. They asked Peter if he was a follower three times, and each time he denied knowing Jesus. He, you know what he did? He lied through his teeth to save his own hide. The mosaic on the front of your order of worship depicts Peter's denial of Christ. It's in a church in Italy. And that image of the rooster has become the symbol of human failure in Peter's denial. But in early Christian art, it became a sign of the resurrection, actually, because in his greatest failure was the key to his greatest redemption. But we can identify with the denial, can't we? We can identify with Peter in this story. But betraying Jesus to save your own hide, would you or I have done anything different if we were in the situation? And just like Jesus said, Peter denied Christ three times, the rooster crowed, and and Peter wept bitterly. Now, if you think about that, a man like Peter would have every excuse in the world to give up, wouldn't he? Peter was right there with Jesus from the beginning. He'd been there for it all. He'd been the first one to confess Jesus as the Messiah. He'd even been the one, when Jesus was arrested, who cut off the high priest's ear when they came to arrest the Lord. But when it really counted, when Jesus had his back against the wall, Peter denied him. 
And so it would have been human nature for Peter to think that Jesus would have been done with him after that. Maybe it's like the scripture says that Karen read from Ezekiel that you heard this morning. When human failure and sin sets in, we think there is no use in trying anymore. The text talks about hope drying up. Ezekiel was writing at a time when hope had fled in Israel. He writes, our bones are dried up, our hope is lost, we are cut off completely. But God says through the prophet, O my people, I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live. And I will place you on your own soil, then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken and will act. And the whole story of the Bible can be told in a way through Ezekiel on one hand and Acts chapter 2 and the other. From the despair that God will never act for you and God's people to the promise that God will breathe life again into his people. To the gift of the Spirit at Pentecost. God promised to speak and to act. And God did. And God is. The, the Acts passage through which we can see so much of the biography of Peter, it talks about God speaking through the Holy Spirit in many languages and dialects. They were all together in one place, the Scripture says. Tongues of fire rested on them. And a sampling of the entire Jewish diaspora was there, from North Africa to Middle East to Western Europe. And the Spirit enabled all those gathered to hear about God's deeds of power in their own language so that it was intelligible to them. It it was like, as many scholars have said, a reversal of the Tower of Babel. You know, in the Tower of Babel, when the people tried to rely upon their own ingenuity and merit to climb their way to heaven, and God caused confusion and divided the languages, human arrogance and greed created discord, and people were literally talking past each other. But when God's Spirit comes at Pentecost, it it comes in a spirit of diversity and full inclusion and grace so that everybody could understand what was happening. So so imagine the scene with me. There's a huge crowd of people there and a cacophony of languages being spoken, and, and yet everybody could understand. Now, for those with eyes to see and ears to hear, there is nothing less than the power of God at work in this early Christian community. But the scriptures say that many looked on this and sneered and said they are filled with new wine. That sneering attitude is the dominant reaction that most people have to the working of God's Spirit in the world. No doubt, if if our eyes are open, there are thousands of signs of God's Spirit at work each day. And yet, we are so highly trained in the interpretive skill of explaining God's Spirit away that we sometimes can't see the Spirit. Somebody has a vision from God, and we say, they need to get back on their meds. You know, the comedian Lily Tomlin says, why is it that when we talk to God, we're said to be praying, but when God talks to us, we're schizophrenic? There's a, there's a, a great pejorative interpretation of God's Spirit among us? Have we so over-rationalized the world in which we live that if the Spirit did show up, we would actually be able to recognize the Spirit? So there they are, they sneer, they accuse the disciples of being drunk, and, and Peter, last of the disciples, I would expect to stand up, stands up at that moment. He perseveres. 
Unlike Judas, who was destroyed by his own shame and guilt, Peter stubbornly hung around long enough after his failures to see what God was up to. He stood up, the scriptures said. He interpreted what he had seen. Against the cynicism of the crowd, which sought to explain away the Spirit, he knew what had happened. He quoted Joel. He said that God's Spirit had been poured out upon all flesh, upon the sons and daughters of all ages. And in that day, Joel prophesied, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's pretty simple, isn't it? I mean, you don't have to fill out an application. You don't have to pass a doctrinal test. You don't have to look a certain way, talk a certain way. You just have to call upon the name of the Lord. That's how the Spirit works. It's, it's why the Spirit is called gift over and over again in Scripture. You just have to reach out and take the gift. It is unconditional. It flows out of God's natural expression of love in Jesus. But some will sneer. Others will accuse those who have the joy of the Spirit of being on drugs or out of their mind or having new wine. But for those who are ready to become children of God, the invitation is open and the Spirit will come. The difference between Peter and Judas wasn't about one was, you know, a good person and the other bad, like they were born that way. I don't think it was about divine election or predestination. It's just that Peter... And this is the tragedy of Judas, stuck around long enough to see what God was up to. He didn't let his failure define him. He he believed stubbornly in grace. It It is nothing less than the power of God in Peter's life that brought him to his feet on the morning of Pentecost. All his doubts and shame had melted away. He persevered long enough to see the day when God's Spirit descended like fire on all who were willing to receive it. So I don't know where you are in life right now. Maybe you're going through something right now that seems bleak and unending and full of despair. Perhaps your shame or your failure has defined you rather than God's love and acceptance of you as a human being. Perhaps you are wondering if the Spirit of the living God is ever going to show up in your life, and how would you know it? Let Peter be an example to us all that God will act, God will speak. May we stick around long enough to see the power of God in our lives. And who knows? Maybe it'll happen today. Amen? Amen. Each time the word is proclaimed, we give an opportunity to all those gathered here to respond. You may respond by coming forward, asking for prayer. Perhaps it's your will, decision to join our church or to make a decision for Christ. We'll sing a hymn as you ponder that, and you can come forward if that's your decision. 
It'll be hymn 298, 298, Come Holy Spirit, Heavenly Dove. And as we sing that hymn, let's stand together. This time of the service, we bring concerns and celebrations and announcements. I want to tell you about a few of those this morning. First, uh, Marty Cope will be taking uh, photographs for our updated uh, directory, and that'll be in the colonnade directly outside. So if, you're, if you sign up on Facebook or otherwise, and I think we may have a few open slots. Good. She's, she's shaking her head up and down. Did, you, can, you can come out to the colonnade through that side door right there where I'm pointing out in the narthex to take your, your photograph. Uh, next Sunday, we will be we will begin meeting in the chapel for worship. That will be during the, the summer months. So come to the chapel next Sunday for worship. And of course, uh, as I mentioned in the sermon, our uh, spiritual biography series is in the fellowship hall at 930 before our worship service. Habitat uh, is coming up in August. So Habitat Build 2019 is going to be on August the 3rd. We had a great turnout last year. And Northside Drive is the lead church for the Habitat Build this, this year. We're going to need volunteers for a variety of things, not just to, to, to be there for construction. We'll sign up for that, but also for child care and for some lunch service for the volunteers. Barbara Ashley uh, has put a sign-up sheet on the Narthex table. Look at that and sign up as you go over the next few weeks. Now I want to bring a few prayer concerns to you uh, this morning. Hal, so good to see you. You know that we have prayed uh, for your family 
um, these last few days. And Stephanie Jones, so great to see you. We've been praying for you. Uh, those who have gone through grief and are walking through that valley now, we are with you and we love you. And there are some who aren't here this morning because of illness and things that have happened in their life. I want to name uh, Nancy Davis, who fractured her hip last Sunday in the Fellowship Hall, who had a, a, a successful surgical operation um, at St. Joseph's, and then she was discharged to Lynbrook uh, last Wednesday, where she is uh, today, and I'll likely be visiting her this week. We pray for Nancy. For J.B. Gilbert, who had his gallbladder removed and has had a tough week dealing with the pain of that, we pray for J.B. I'll be seeing him this afternoon. I'll bring your love and prayers with me. And then finally, for Dan Oakley, who is at Piedmont Hospital. Dan is recovering from complications from his last operation. Things are going well for Dan, but we pray for him as they observe to make sure that everything is okay, and hopefully he'll be discharged this week. So we pray for all of these. As I know also you have your own prayer concerns that, that we left up, we know are heard by God. Let's continue our worship with uh, the giving of tithes and offerings and the singing of Vini Creator Spiritus by Johann Michael Haydn.
God, it is with full hearts and grateful hearts that we gather together for worship this morning, offering up all that we have, our very lives. And with these small tokens of our gifts to you, may you use them for service in your kingdom. In Christ's name, amen. a moment, I'll give a benediction, and then some of you can't see this, but directly above you, children are gathered on the balcony, and they're going to be throwing the streamers representing the Holy Spirit. So may the Holy Spirit come and dwell among us. I hear this good word. And now to the one who by the power at work among us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than we can ever ask or imagine. To God be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Release the Spirit. Amen.